Um, so spiritually, it was constant attack from every direction and trying to hang on to the truth that we knew um, from the Lord, trying to stay in the Word. Um, one of the first things we had to learn to do as a married couple was dig into what it meant to forgive our enemies and, and to learn the gospel um, in the darkest of times in our life. For us, that's where we had to go. We had to go to the Word together and with our kids knowing that God had a plan moving forward and he would reveal that in his time and in his way. Yeah, and for me it was, I'm not gonna try and set the record straight, I'm gonna try and set my heart straight. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than fighting and trying to win, it was just trying to worship. Well, howdy, Mark and Grace here with the Real Marriage Podcast. Just a couple episodes left. We've been in the Book of Ruth, great, amazing, epic book of the Old Testament, and it's about love. God's love for a husband and wife, God's love through a husband and a wife, and it gives hope to us all because they started, babe, in the worst possible place. If you're listening to this, you probably have some hardships, some trauma, some trials, some hurdles you've had to jump, some impossible seasons to navigate. Ruth, man, and Boaz, what they went through, it should give hope to you. Here are some of the landmines that were out in the field that they had to tiptoe through. Racism. She's a Moabite. He's an Israelite. They hated each other. They totally despise one another. When Jesus comes along later, who is a descendant of this couple, everyone generally who was godly went from northern to southern Israel, and they walked around this forsaken, demonic, cursed, perverted cult in the middle called Samaria. That's Ruth's family. And so imagine the Samaritan woman at the well uh, in the days of Jesus marrying one of the apostles. I mean, this would have been (laughs) the scandal of all scandals. So they have racial and racism problems. They have nationalism. They both are from two countries. She's from Moab. He's from Israel. Um, It's a second marriage. There's no indication that he's been married before. This is his first marriage, but this is her second marriage. She's already been married to a guy. She's a widow. Not a great guy for 10 years, and then he died. And, uh, and she didn't kill him, so ladies don't get any ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also had major class differences. He is a very wealthy landowner, employees, business owner, entrepreneur. She is a homeless, destitute, poor, gleaning in the fields, slash food kitchen, needy, broken, financially destitute, homeless woman. Major class differences. Uh, in addition... Um, she has a lot of brokenness. She grew up in probably a perverted, incestuous, abusive, cultish family system. She had a loser for a husband and a father-in-law. Husband dies, her father-in-law dies. She's got to move 50 miles. She's barren, unable to have kids, or for some reason the womb was closed. She has no money. I mean, there's just a ton of brokenness in her past. She could have been just a forever broken, never healed, uh, always hurting woman. She could have given up. Well, and she's being discipled by a woman who changes her legal name from Naomi, which means pleasant or sweet, tomorrow, which means bitter. So the the one Christian you know who's discipling you is bitter. I mean... Seems pretty hopeless. Seems like you could get pretty bitter. Um, She comes from a godless family. 
And he comes from, by all accounts, probably a godly family. She's been through a lot of trauma and tragedy. And in addition, the one believer in her life gives her some really awful counsel, counsel we would never give our daughters. So in Ruth chapter three, uh, the older woman, Naomi, tells the younger woman, Ruth, well, it's harvest time. And, you know, when they bring in all the harvest, it's all the money. Go to the threshing floor. Get all dressed up, put on your nicest dress, find your nice perfume. I mean, literally, this is what the the older Christian gal, here's the Bible study, sweetheart, how to be hot for the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's craziness. So, and then she says, uh, wait until he's in a good mood and it's at night and he's had a few drinks and then make your move. That's not good advice, right? We've got two daughters. That's not good advice. No. Some people have asked, did Ruth cross the line? I don't know. But she, at the very least, danced on it vigorously. That's what she did. (laughs) Okay, so they have all of these complex variables, impossible odds, yet they're one of the great love stories in the history of the world. The moral of the story is there's no such thing as an easy marriage. There is no great marriage that hasn't been through great trial, trouble, temptation. There is no strong marriage that hasn't gone through some breaking times that had to be healed. If you're listening to this and you're listening to their story, think about your story. On the husband's side, what has he been through? Through the wife's side, what has she been through? Looking back, what are the impossible things that God in his providence has brought you through as he brought them through and or the circumstances that you find yourself in, where are you trusting that his providence will get you through it? So babe, I'll leave it to you. And just so you kids know, uh, here at the Real Marriage Podcast, we're not real prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to be real helpful and try to be real biblical. And I'm your Bible nerd friend and Grace is my best friend. So we're here to help. But at the end of the day, you can bring up whatever you want, babe. We'll just have an honest conversation and I'm encouraging the couples to have similar honest conversations. And my thought is, if we're not honest, they're not going to be honest. And so in our life, have we overcome some hardship, some obstacles, some difficulties, driven over a few landmines, either in the past or in the future, or in the present, I should say, as we prepare for the future? Absolutely. We've had a lot of painful years, um, some from our own doing, some from our upbringing, some from just circumstances of life. Um, and some we've turned to the Lord for help. Sometimes we've tried to work our way out ourselves um, and different situations lead to different scenarios. And so I think for us, um, we've had to learn when the seemingly impossible odds come. Um, for us, an example of that would have been probably in the most recent season when we had to move to where we're at now. Um, before that, we were in seemingly in impossible circumstances and everything was coming down on us. Um, our church was gone. Our We were in physical danger. Job and money were gone. Um, our family didn't know what was next. Um, we had all our family where we were at. Our extended family was all where we were at and we didn't know if we needed to stay or go. Um, we were, there was a lot of betrayal that happened, um, emotional hurt, spiritual hurt, and and like I said, possible physical danger to us and the kids. So, so I mean, I don't want to speak ill of anyone and uh, definitely don't want to drag the past into the future, but we moved multiple times for safety issues. Mm-hmm. 
um, the address to her home would be posted online, and then death threats would be made against you and the children when I was out of town preaching. Mm -hmm. uh, we built a safe room at one house so that the kids at night would have uh, a place that was physically secure in case of assault. Yeah. Some of my critics have even accused me of lying about this, but I, I preached in a bulletproof vest given to me by the police department on high-risk Sundays, and you and the kids weren't even allowed to enter into the building. Yeah. Um, and we were escorted into and out of church by security. Armed guards. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes through picket protest lines mm -hmm. with people saying things to the media that had no basis in reality whatsoever. Yeah. But they're like tattoos. You live with them forever. Mm -hmm. um, and then we finally uh, settled into a home and... Um, Kids were outside playing and huge rocks thrown by protesters over the fence at our small youngest two children playing in the yard. I mean, we've had, we've had death threats, we've had security issues, we've had betrayal, we've had misinformation, disinformation, we've had demonic attack. Uh, once we moved out of that house, uh, a huge tree fell on the house that had all of our possessions and equity. And if we had been there, we would have been We would dead. have died. It split our bed down the middle. And so at that point, we're in our mid-40s, left our church, left our job, leaving our city, leaving our extended family. I'm unemployed. Reputation is pretty much destroyed. Um, we have safety and security issues. We don't know who we can trust. And we know that we're moving to another state when a tree falls on our home, which means we can't buy another home and all of our possessions are in it. <clears throat> And then we move to a place where we don't know anybody or have anything. We don't have a church. We don't have a home. Uh, we don't have extended family. We don't have friends. We don't have a job. Yeah. How long ago was that? Six years ago almost. Just recently, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, six years. But yeah, it was, it was terrifying um, and hard to know how to navigate with our kids through it. Um, our life yeah. seemed... We knew that God was still in control, but we didn't know what was next. We didn't know how to even deal with what was in front of us. And we knew we had to stay so that our daughter could graduate from school, but I couldn't even go to the grocery store um, on my own. I had to send one of the few people I had left to trust. Because um, well, enemies and critics and media were literally outside... Yeah. The gate of our home. They trapped our daughter between the street and the gate, and she didn't want to open the gate because then they would have come into our property. I mean, it was yeah. it was teenage girl crazy. late at night in a car, trapped by angry men who followed her, and she won't open the gate because she's mm -hmm. afraid that they will kill the family. And I ask her, "Honey, why didn't you not let them in?" She's like, "Well, if they're going to hurt somebody, I was only going to let them hurt me." That's my high school daughter. Yeah, impossible at our, odds at our house. Mm -hmm. It was real. Um, I wasn't doing that great. No. Uh, emotionally, I was not doing great. Um, I always loved the Lord, but uh, I mean, I just was not doing great. Because yeah. as, a, as a husband and a father, I feel the weight of responsibility for you and the kids. I want you to be safe. I want you to be joyful. I want the kids to do normal. I want to be able to go for a bike ride. I want them to be able to go out with friends. I, I just want them to do normal. Yeah. Um, at that point, it felt like our home was a prison and we're in lockdown. Yeah, and the enemy went after our marriage, trying to divide us as well. Um, so spiritually, it was constant attack from every direction um, and trying to hang on to the truth that we knew um, from the Lord, trying to stay in the Word, trying to 
Um, one of the first things we had to learn to do as a married couple was dig into what it meant to forgive um, mm-hmm. our enemies and and know that Jesus did that. We were his enemies and, and to learn the gospel um, in the darkest of times in our life. Um, and so for us, that's where we had to go. We had to go to the word together and with our kids, knowing that God had a plan moving forward and he would reveal that in his time and in his way. Mm-hmm. Um, in the impossible odds that were in front of us, we, um, we had to dig in and just say, okay, we're together. And what does this look like? God, we need your help. We need your direction. Yeah, and for me it was, uh, I'm not going to try and set the record straight. I'm going to try and set my heart straight. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than fighting and trying to win, it was just trying to worship honestly. And I know that sounds super spiritual and adorable six years later, but at the time, very complicated. And we had five kids, elementary, middle school, high school, college. So we're trying to figure out their lives because their lives are all intertwined and interconnected and we want to have a future for them. What was really kind of remarkable um, during it, it's amazing, it was six years ago, it feels like it was a lifetime ago. Yeah. And there are some couples that are hearing this and you're not on the other side. And when you're in the middle of it, um, people will come and they'll quote Bible verses and they'll be well-intended, you know. God works out all things for the good of those who love him, which is totally true. But that is a great verse for the end. In the middle, people come along and they feel like if they quote a verse, they've done their job and then they can move on. Mm -hmm. Um, We're more than conquerors. Well, that's adorable. Uh, he works out all things for the good. I know. When people quote me verses, I know this is going to sound negative. And the reason it sounds negative is because it's negative. Is you're quoting a verse to a guy who's been preaching verses for, at this point, 30 years. So I know the verses. And sometimes when people are really hurting, it's almost like Job's friends. You just show up and then sort of quote a verse and move on. But you're not emotionally present to sympathize and empathize. Yeah. And sometimes the ministry of presence is that Jesus didn't just stand in heaven and drop a book on the earth. He came down to be with us. And then after he left, he sent the Holy Spirit so that we would never be alone because it's not just enough to have the word of God. You need to have the presence of God. And I love the word of God. I believe in the word of God. I've been preaching and teaching the word of God my entire adult life. But the thing I learned about the word of God is that it's to bring us into the presence of God. And so for us in that season, honey, you know, sometimes religious people, quite frankly, were the most unhelpful, uh, either because they are saying, well, if you're suffering, it must be because you're sinning, must be because you're sinning. So just confess your sin and then the suffering will end. It's like Job's friends. And I'm not saying we're Job. Maybe you are. I'm not. No. <laughs> um, sometimes religious people want to come along and just like a, you get shot by a gun and then they take a verse like a Band-Aid and think, well, we've covered it and we've treated it and now we just get to move on. In that season where it was overwhelming, it was anxious, um, uncertain what would blow up next, and knowing that we had real spiritual and physical enemies who really wanted to destroy us and our family, we met with a very godly, helpful uh, pastor. And he became for us a source of God's presence in that season. And had we not walked with him, I'm not sure that we would have walked through it. I agree. Maybe talk a little bit, and this is unscripted, kids. We're just trying to help. You're literally sitting at the dining room table with us in my office. Um, 
Maybe tell a little bit about that man and his role in our life. Yeah, he was very much a pastor, a father figure um, to us for several months and is now about a, a year. Yeah. And he listened um, like a good counselor does, but he didn't just listen. He listened for ways that um, we could heal. He listened for ways that we could repent. He listened for ways that he could encourage. He listened um, for ways that we could just, we didn't have an answer and we just stopped and prayed. He was very uh, discerning and wise. Filled with the Spirit. Yes. And and he quoted scripture all the time, but it was led by the Spirit when he did. And it was very, every time it was, we just would sit there going, that's exactly what we needed to hear right now. And that confirms and affirms where we're at right now. And so that was a pivoting relationship for us. Um, they, the counselors determined that, you know, we were needing to be together in counseling um, so that we could walk it through together. We had initially started out in separate, uh, with separate yeah, counselors. Yeah, let me explain that a little bit. So if you're thinking about, man, do we need to go talk to somebody, get somebody else's advice? I mean, and you may be even a godly seasoned person, but I even would tell a doctor, go get your own doctor, don't diagnose and treat yourself. Yeah. And if you need surgery, feel free not to be your own surgeon. And so we went into this, you know, godly Christian integrative counseling system, just like, you know what? I just, I want somebody else to look at me and look at us. And if, if we're blind to our blind spots, I want somebody else to point those out. Yeah. And at first they give you a female counselor. They gave me a male counselor because they assumed that a lot of our problems were marital. Mm-hmm. That actually, by God's grace, was not the problem. Um, we had other issues, but you and I loved each other. We'd been faithful to each other. We'd we were together, like yeah. we're friends, like we love Jesus. We're trying to figure it out. We're rowing in the same boat. We've each got our oar and trying to pull our weight. And so eventually I just, after a time or two, I asked the older male counselor, I was like, can I just bring grace in when we meet together and talk and pray? And a lot of our time together was in prayer and he was a Bible guy, great Bible guy. And uh, he's like, well, I just want to check on you and make sure your marriage. I was like, no, no, I can't get better without grace. Mm-hmm. I can't get through this season without grace. I can't get healthy without grace. I love my wife and we're one and everything sucks, but I love her. She's not the problem. And uh, if there's going to be a solution, we're going to find it together. Yeah. And he was like, okay, so you guys aren't fighting. There's no adultery or betrayal. I was like, nope. <laughs> and if so, you wouldn't need to counsel me because grace would have killed me. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so then you came in, and uh, that was a great comfort to me because it was the ministry of presence. Mm-hmm. I was present with a godly man, present with the Lord, present with my wife. And then we could pray and process together what yeah. we were learning. Well, very quickly, you're like, I don't want to go to the female counselor anymore. She was totally fine. Yeah, we she like, was great. You're like, I just really like him. Mm-hmm. And he became kind of like a father figure to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was definitely that pastoral father figure and really listened to me and had ways of correcting me that were super loving. And I felt like he wasn't going after me. He was wanting good for me. Mm -hmm. And there were times that he would give us a lot of advice, sometimes clinical, sometimes biblical. Sometimes we'd take an hour and 55 minutes for a prayer. Mm -hmm. And he'd just be like, you just have burdens and we need to pray them off. Yeah. 
And then he walked with us through the decision-making process of what our future would hold and what we would do and, and how it would proceed. Um, and under that season, that whole time, we remained under spiritual authority. The spiritual overseers that had been with us before uh, crisis hit walked with us through the crisis and stay with us to this day, and I praise God for them. And I really appreciate having godly oversight and accountability. It's yeah. been a huge blessing to, to my life and to our marriage. And in that season, that was the worst season of our whole life. Yeah, very, very, very painful. And there are times that you feel like it's over and then it tries to come back. Mm. And, and sometimes we think that in life, like, well, if I just get through this season and move on, well, sometimes that season shows up again yeah. or those people or that thing shows up again. But for those who are listening, there's this old line that comes to mind. Maybe it's the spirit you can discern. A.W. Tozer is this old preacher pastor. And he said, uh, the greatest ministry comes from the deepest pain. Mm -hmm. And I, I think he said something to the effect of, um, for God to use you mightily, he needs to wound you deeply. Insight sometimes comes through experience. Sometimes empathy comes through pain. Sometimes uh, revelation comes through devastation. Yeah. yeah, what we faced prepped us for the future trials too. If we wouldn't have gone through that season, mm, or let's say this, I, I don't think we can avoid certain seasons, but had we not, number one, found God, mm -hmm. and number two, ran to him together, together. Mm -hmm. Where do you think, or what do you think we'd be right now? I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> I mean, it would be devastation for us, for the kids, for everybody. I mean, it would just be a nightmare. Do you think we'd be divorced? Mm -hmm. Probably, yeah. Man, I just cried thinking about that. Yeah. That would be devastating. Yeah. Worse than everything we went through. Yeah. Not being together. Yeah. If you lose everything, but you got each other, you got what you need. To figure it out. Yeah, we had God and we had each other. We yeah. had our kids. Yeah, we did. And, and we had a few, just a few handful of incredible people that walked with us. Godly, loving, and helpful. And that's all we needed. They loved the Lord and they wanted us to be able to heal. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a possibility for a couple that goes through trial, trauma, tribulation to just try and find a functional, survivable rhythm they're not divorced. They don't hate each other. They don't betray each other. They don't love each other. They're not close. They're not walking together. But trying to find a place where it hurts, but it hurts enough that you can live with the pain. A lot of couples live that way. I've seen that a lot in my lifetime. And it's just kind of flat or once in a while it explodes or once in a while there's some smiles, but there's no peace about it. There's always turmoil amidst it. Um, Just kind of a sadness, yeah, a distance, a loneliness. Yeah, um, it's a horrible way to live. Um, and it's not God's plan because he wants, um, he has what's best for us. For those of you who are in it, mm -hmm. and we get it, we love you, yeah. we were in it. Yeah. Backstory of Ruth and Boaz, I mean, her husband dies, famine hits, she moves to another country. I mean, she's homeless. I mean, uh, he can't legally marry her. I mean, they're in it. And God works it all out by his grace. We'll get into that in the next episode. Last one's going to be the happy one, I promise. <laughs> um, for those who are in it, and you have permission to be completely, totally honest, um, and I didn't, we didn't discuss this beforehand, we recently celebrated 28 years of marriage. <laughs> we dated for four and a half years, so we've been together 32 years. 
I met you March 12, 1988, 17 years old, in high school. And uh, after this air, right around the time that this airs, we're turning 50. So we've been together <laughs> from 17 to 50. Okay. So thank you for hanging in there. In, in our whole life, individually or together as a couple, what's the best season of your life? This one. Why? Oh, I mean, for lots of reasons. Um, I like where we're at uh, in Arizona, but... Um, and at the time, though, that was the greatest fear is that God would move you. Right. Or that was a great fear. Yes, because so, I lived... No, 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 <laughs> I won't move. And then you move. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if Ruth had some of that. Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 I won't move. And then she moves and she's like, oh, actually, I like mm-hmm. it here better. Yeah, I mean, just on the surface, the location is is great here for us and our family. Um, we get to be in this next season of our kids' lives. They're all growing up and getting older. Um, I think our marriage is in a better place than it even was because we walked through, we've walked through everything together from you getting saved, me coming back to the Lord all the way until Miscarriage, now. losing job, mm-hmm. moving cities. Five kids. Five <laughs> kids, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's we've lived life together in every stage. Um, but... Yeah, there's just, there's joy, there's a newness. Um, We know we're doing exactly what God has us doing because he's made the path clear in one way every time. Um, And it's incredible to be walking in God's will. Um, There's nothing like it. And I think, yeah, just getting different time together. We've learned, you know, the good and the bad in ministry and learned how to balance things, learned how to how to just be, how to Sabbath, how to um, be together and enjoy each other differently. Um, Yeah, there's just so many things that we learned through the hard stuff and um, God grew our character through it and grew our love through it and grew our unity through it. Yeah, Winston Churchill's got this quote. He says, when you're in hell, keep going. (laughs) Don't stop and decide that that's where you're going to live. Yeah, exactly. Um, In closing, I guess there's and I appreciate you saying that. I would agree with you. It's the best season of our whole life in ministry. Mm-hmm. Super grateful. And in the middle, would have never guessed. No. I'm guessing like Ruth packing her bags and leaving Moab, the only place she's ever known. Yeah. You know, and not knowing where she would work or where she would live or where she would worship or who her friends would be or what her life would look like. I mean, there was some of that for you with our move as well. For sure. But the two things on the backside uh, that come to mind, number one, just grateful. I think when you have life and then it goes upside down and there's the threat of, there is loss, but there's the threat of cataclysmic loss. Whatever you have, you're more grateful for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I've, I've talked to couples a lot and they're like, yeah, I, I was a little bitter with my spouse, a little disappointed. I feel like, you know, our communication or our sex life was, you know, and then they got cancer. Mm-hmm. And then the thought of not being with them. Yeah. And then when they beat cancer, like, I'm grateful for everything. Yes. You know, um, sometimes when you face the reality of losing people and things that you cherish, and then God in his grace does not allow them to be taken from you, there's a gratefulness. Yeah. Um, it's like that old Christmas movie where, you know, the guy has the vision that he dies, but then he's really alive and he's really happy to be in jail, mm. <laughs> you know? Um he wouldn't have been happy to be in jail, but he's just happy to be alive. Yeah, there, There's just a gratefulness. There's a sweetness about life and a deeper appreciation. And so I'm more grateful. also find that I think we're able to be more helpful. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I'm not saying that we're, you know, we're ready for some Olympic gold medal of helpfulness. <laughs> but there's something about going through something that helps you get someone else who's going through it, through it. Yeah, we can have empathy in different ways. Yeah, and there's a, there's a we have been where you are and we're a little further down the road and we want to encourage you to keep going because actually it's pretty beautiful up here. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, as you look at the love story, and we'll deal next episode with the grand finale and the happily ever after and everything coming together, going from Good Friday to Easter Sunday with Ruth and Boaz. In the middle of it all, all of these complex variables, all of this opposition, all of this um, temptation, trial, trouble, all of this crisis, and somehow they stayed close to the Lord and the Lord like a loving father taking the hand of a child, navigated them through a crisis into a blessing. And because we love you, we want that same thing for your marriage. And if our story is of any hope, help, or healing, it is, um, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. Not only was it horrible, it was personal. Not only was it personal, it was public. Not only was it public, a lot of it was just demonic and wrong and untrue. And I'm not going to get into the details, but I look forward to standing before the Lord Jesus. Yeah. And I look forward to the judgment. Mm-hmm. I look forward to that. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, being able to forgive, being able to unburden, being able to heal, and being able to help is a tremendous gift. And so I just want to say on behalf of Grace and I and the Fab Five that we call kids, Thank you for the um, invitation into your life. Thank you for the invitation into your marriage. Thank you for the invitation into your family. Uh, We're incredibly grateful. And if in any way we get an opportunity to be that presence of God and blessing, like this wonderful pastor who's still the pastor to us and one of our our overseers that we we submit to, um, if we're given that sacred space in your life to any degree, just know that we hold it as a tremendous treasure. And uh, we believe that just as he was brought into our life because God had good for us, we're hoping that we were brought into your life because he has good for you as well, and we love you.